Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Innerverse. I'm your host, Chance, you know, as usual. And today we're going to be talking about body work and healing and a variety of physical, emotional, energetic, restorative methods with the uh, intuitive integrative bodywork specialist, Jenny Rivers, who we last talked to on a Vibrant episode. I don't remember what number it was. I probably should have had that ready, but you know, we spoke with her and her partner, Michael Wan. Michael Wan's a great friend of the show. So ever since then, I've been looking forward to getting into a conversation one-on-one with Jenny Rivers, especially to talk about some of the divine feminine aspects, the womb, uh, birth mysteries, maybe get into some esoterica there. Who knows where this conversation is going to go, though? We have plenty of possible avenues with Jenny Rivers. You can find her website at JennyRivers.com. So pretty easy. That'll be linked in the show notes as well. And let's just jump right into it. How are you doing, Jenny? Are you ready to do this thing? I am ready. Um, thanks for having me. And I'm excited to be here again. I really enjoyed the conversation on the the Vibrant. So um, yeah, in terms of how I'm doing, it's been a really interesting um, time, I think, especially the last few weeks. Um, I know we were scheduled to do this this call and we both were feeling a little under the weather. And um you know, just in retrospect, thinking about this time of year specifically for us in the uh, Northern Hemisphere as being the winter solstice time, the time to kind of go within and be more introspective and maybe not be doing so many things outwardly. And I know for me, I had to pretty much cancel anything that I had scheduled like over the whole solstice time. Um but I'm starting to feel now that uh, things are shifting. And so I, I like to bring everything kind of back to this cyclical understanding of, of what this is that we're calling life and, and how this is unfolding. Um, and noticing like these little kind of stirrings within myself um, that seems like the start of something new. Um, which has been kind of met in the last week with a new challenge that's presented itself. So I felt like I was in a really good space, I guess, in my perspective on the world, especially with all the current events. Um, And that kind of got flipped on its head. So I'm looking forward to delving into that a little bit today. Oh, that's a good teaser. (laughs) Yeah, we both got... It's, you know, this becomes just another thing that's now like polarizing and can be divisive. If I say the wrong thing about like a virus or a a terrain theory or like, was I sick or was I detoxing? You might get a comment from someone that has the radically opposite perspective and they're like, you're wrong. Not that I really get a lot of haters in my comments, but my point in bringing that up is that, you know, one of the things that's been flipped on its head since the onset of the cooties world is what is illness? Why do we have symptoms? And I don't know, as someone that's um, interested in integrative healing modalities, there's a couple of directions that since we already talked about the fact that we both did get some kind of a, you know, for lack of better term, a bug, what we did to heal that or how we detoxed that or how we assisted our body with the detox process. Some people would say you got a virus. Some people would say that it's just your body going through a natural detox process and that it needed to be more extreme and that that's something that your body does during the the winter time as a natural 
thing for the going within to support the going within idea. So for me, I had like major body aches. I had like a headache or total brain fog, some sinus congestion that followed that. But there are people I know that got the, the same thing started to happen to them the same time as me. And they're still going through it. Whereas me, I was able to within probably five or six days be back to full fighting strength as in I could like go do physical workouts and do all my things. It's funny because I was planning on taking a week off from content creation to work on side projects that, that week, but ended up having no steam for anything. And to just take a full vacation week was probably what needed to happen anyway for me spiritually to just rejuvenate and cleanse myself of all the busyness of being a host and a content creator and involved in all the things I do. But to give a quick rundown of some of the stuff I did in terms of a regimen that I think helped me overcome the detox a lot faster than other people was that I was taking vitamin C in the form of absorbic acid, which I get from Clive DeCarl, linked in my show notes to his uh, website where he's got so many good things. I was taking that multiple times a day. I was taking chaga mushroom powder that was made into a drink and that was replacing my usual drinking of a lot of coffee. And I just took a week off of coffee and drank a lot of chaga. I was doing daily, which I do anyway, vitamin D and also taking colloidal silver during that time. I also was taking like a shot glass size mixture of oregano oil, ginger, turmeric, and cayenne pepper. And that would totally alleviate the body ache part of the whole experience. Taking zinc, which is daily, and magnesium too, also daily. I was doing activated C60 charcoal, fulvic minerals, and she legit. So that's probably not everything I was taking, but that's most of it. Just to, you know, that sounds like a lot. And those supplements are an investment, but it's still cheaper than like health insurance or going to hospitals, <laughs> taking antibiotics and that toll that your body goes through. So that was a, just a quick rundown of some of the things I take. And I just want people to be aware that our bodies are magical. And if you give them the resources they need, they can do what they got to do and get you back to full strength pretty rapidly. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you had quite the arsenal there at your disposal, which is which is great. Um, I I tend to be I don't know. I think there's a part of me that likes um, challenge or like likes difficulty more than like the normal person. So like when I'm sick, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to like be sick and like not take anything. And I don't think it's this last time. It definitely wasn't even conscious. I was just like not taking anything. And it wasn't until probably the fifth day and it was never anything, you know, serious for me. It was just like a, like a sore throat and like a runny nose. And, and I just kind of in general, just didn't really feel like myself, but yeah, I felt like my organs had been attacked by uh, tiny ninjas that got inside my torso. Wow. Yeah. It was bad. Um, yeah. And, and this is the other thing that you kind of brought up too, about the whole detox is, um, at that time I was really starting. Um, I like to really experiment with my diet. I like to experiment with what I put in my body, what I don't put in my body. And I do this all the time in, in cycles for sure. Um, and so I knew for about nine months I was eating mostly animal based foods and it was like the best I ever felt like in my life. I, I pretty much eliminated all vegetables. I'd maybe have like an avocado every once in a while, maybe have some pickles. But for the most part, I was just eating steak and eggs and bacon and like occasionally some other some other meats. But those were kind of the main staples. And it was just 
it was the best I ever felt. A lot of my health issues just really disappeared. Um, but, and that was, you know, going, that was about a year ago going into 2021. And then when spring and summer came and some local, you know, produce started to come out, it was really hard for me to resist, you know, watermelon and like all these summertime fruits and stuff that I enjoy so much. So I started incorporating a little bit and it just, um, became this slippery slope of then just going back to eating anything and everything. And I think it was because my gut had healed so much and my body had healed so much that I was much more able to, um, stand a lot of those foods that I know that aren't good for me, like, um, gluten, um, sugar, all those things where in the past I was like, really, really sensitive to, but I think once my body got into that more healed state, um, I was able to manage that a little bit more easily. And so that kind of just kept intensifying, you know, through Halloween and then, and then towards, towards Christmas and the holidays where it was just like, it's such a nostalgic thing for me to eat Christmas cookies. Like that was just a really, like when I think of Christmas, that's like what excites me is like, um, like baking basically with my grandmother, baking with my mother and just like how that makes me feel inside. And so it's very much tied into this more emotional component, I think into sugar and into like what cookies are, what cookies, whatever represent. So I've been kind of exploring that and decided that, you know, December 26th, I was going to completely stop and go back to being like 100% carnivore. And part of that too was also, um, quitting caffeine, taking a break from cannabis. And, um, so I quit a lot of things like right after that. And I think my body, that was right when I got sick as well. So I think my body was like, we're probably detoxing in a way. Um, and like getting rid of a lot of the crap that I had putting, been putting in my body over the last six months or so after I'd kind of strayed off of a more restrictive diet. Um, and so, yeah, I've been, I've been playing around with that. I've been exploring again. I love, I love thinking about food and what food is and how it affects our bodies. And I think our bodies are constantly changing and what we put on our body matters, but it also changes as well. And I'm noticing I've been doing the carnivore now for, I guess, three weeks and it's much, much different. I'm not getting the results. I'm not getting the the sharp contrast that I got the first time I did it. So now I'm like, okay, this isn't working anymore. What used to work for me is no longer working, which ties into like this bigger concept too, that I feel like I've been thinking about, like what used to work for me or like when we're nostalgic about a time in our lives where maybe we felt really good or we felt really healthy, or maybe we're in a really good relationship and how we tend to like look at the past and be like, you know, I want to feel that again. I want to have that experience again. I want to feel healthy. And then we do the exact same things and we're not, it's like, you can't go down that road. Like that road has already been traveled and you have to find a new way. I find it interesting, the carnivore part of the conversation, because maybe it's like when our bodies are at a certain level of vitality, the animal products are really important on, um, you know, when we need to heal and build back up animal products, give us building blocks for that. Perhaps this is all just speculation. I actually spent five plus years as a vegan and, uh, 
you know, at the beginning of that journey, I had a lot of big benefits to my health and seemed to get a lot clearer and sharper, uh, like sexual health improved, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, skin got clear all around. It was like really good. But then as time passed on that diet, I started to notice, cause I'm like a really physically active person. I do rock climbing. I lift weights. Uh, I noticed that I was in a plateau for three plus years of not getting better at the things I like to do physically, not getting stronger. I wasn't like wasting away. I was eating everything I eat. I go for the organic option and the very minimum a non-GMO option, but like 90% organic. So I was eating healthy. I was eating a large volume of food on the vegan diet. And still I was just at this plateau level where I wasn't getting stronger. And that was uh, hard for me. And anyway, um, earlier this year, I started reincorporating eggs and chicken, just those two things. And I've noticed that now I'm getting stronger again. So it, it seems to be like we go through these phases and cycles and to be completely rigid about what it is that we allow ourselves to eat. I think it's more important that we're eating a healthy, wholesome version of what we're eating and then paying attention to how it feels and our progress from that and to always be prepared to make adjustments and not be trapped into a dogmatic way of approaching uh, the health question that our bodies are dynamic and changing and in flux. And most important is that we find a way to be in honest communication with our mind between our mind and body so that we recognize the way that our body is telling us that something is or isn't working. And it all comes back to like, how is your energy is what you're doing, giving you a sense of energy and vigor, or do you feel depleted and uh, cloudy? <laughs> you know, I like to say all the time, you can do your body can handle a lot of stuff. I learned this from also reading Eileen McCusick, the tuning fork lady who I basically like unofficially discipled under to learn how to do biofield uh, aura mechanic stuff with sound that you're like, it's okay to have a little bit of hedonism in your life to live in that archetype when appropriate, but you need your electric health, your, your current to be strong, to do the things that give you an improved level of electrical coherence, if that makes sense. And then your body can do the cookies occasionally. If you're not living on just cookies, it can, you know, you can go off into the, the fringes of things that are less uh, ideal for your body on an evolutionary or nat natural sense, because you notice that when people are so rigid with the diet or way of approaching health, then a, like a feather can knock them over. <laughs> if it's the wrong kind of feather, metaphorically mm -hmm. speaking, you know, you don't want to be such a finely tuned microchip that you can't, or you don't want to like a little bit of poison makes you resistant to the poison, that type of idea. Right. And life is meant for enjoying too. And, you know, cookies are a creative act. They're a loving act. There's more to it than just the constituent components of the food. You put some love in it. I remember Michael saying that you were making brisket <laughs> over the holidays too. I, I always listen to as much of Michael's stuff as I can. So I hear about you pretty frequently through that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we did like a full day. I actually was, um, it wasn't brisket. It was kind of like, uh, it's called like poor man's burnt ends or something like that, but it's, it's a chuck roast. And so we, we roasted that and basically it tasted exactly like brisket. It was, it was amazing. Um, but I think like, you know, what you're saying is 
is absolutely true. Like keeping that communication and, and recognizing that, that those things change. And I'm kind of in that place now where I'm like, okay, it's not working. You know, I don't want to rid myself of things that I love, like cookies or like the occasional thing or, or any carbs, whether that's vegetables or, or anything else. Um, and there's this interesting idea about, you know, there being different types of people who can handle things in a different way. And this is kind of tied into like addiction and what kind of personality that you are. And I know for sure that I'm, I've struggled with addiction. It's hard for me to be like the type of person that can moderate between things. And so I heard this like concept of just, um, you know, there's two types of people. There's either moderators or abstainers. And so uh, moderators can like, you know, kind of like what you're saying, like take a little bit of everything and eat everything in moderation. And they have no problem like eating one cookie and that being like, okay for them. And then there's another type, which is like abstainers. And it's very hard for them to um, balance that or keep like a state of a healthy balance. Like it's either all or nothing. They're more like all or nothing type of people. And I know for me that restrictive diets are, are something where it's like, okay, I'm only going to eat animal products that there's a certain freedom that comes with that, which I think is kind of like ironic that the more we abstain or the more we restrict what we eat, it gives us a sense of freedom because we don't have to think about it. Like there's not energy going into like, okay, am I eating enough? Am I eating too much? You know, um, that when you, when you don't have to think, uh, about the bigger picture and, and allow yourself even just like some time on something or time away from sugar to kind of like reset your body, I think is, is really helpful. Um, but yeah, cause I know for me, like I, I don't drink and I know that if I do drink, it's, it's very difficult for me to be like, okay, I'll have one drink or two drinks like once a week, or, um, you know, it just becomes this, becomes a slippery slope very easily for me. And why that and it's is a lot more cumulative than people realize too, with, in terms of how your body processes it, like yeah. very occasionally, like kind of rarely is one thing, but when it gets into the weekly range, it's actually, there's a lot that your body has to do to handle that. Right. Yeah. And for me, like with alcohol, it's just so much easier for me and offers me what I feel like is more freedom to be able to, to say like, I'm not going to have any alcohol because it just, it makes it simple. It makes it easy. And I know that I feel better. Like I'd rather, if I had to choose one or the other, I know that I feel way better when I don't have any of that in my life. And so that makes it an easy decision. But I think food is a really complicated one. Cause like you said, like our bodies are dynamic and they're always changing. And, um, it just ties into this bigger thing that's been coming up for me about like, you know, how do we know if anything is true? And even like when it comes to this example of thinking about food, like, is that our mind speaking or is that like our intuition? And how do you know the difference between like games that maybe your mind is playing in order to like reward itself? Or maybe there's like, you know, some kind of sugar parasite, like within you, that's just like, it's okay. You can have Candida. like, yeah, exactly. Candida like Candida is real. It's absolutely real and and how much that influences us in our decision making. And so it's like we can rationalize anything. We can rationalize it one way or the other. Um, and so it's just a matter of like, well, which one are you going to choose? Which story are you going to, are you going to believe? 
I like and, what you said about getting free. Oh, you finish and then I'll give, I'll, I'll remember. No, go point. ahead. Well, what you said about the restrictive diet actually granting some freedom. I find that to be radically true because you kind of get the freedom from having to tell yourself no and slap your hand away from the cookie jar or whatever. For me, when I go to family holiday gatherings, for example, A, I avoid non-organic food generally. So that like rules out the majority of what's there. Although in recent years and holidays, my mom kindly will make something that I can, <laughs> that fits my, uh, my requirements or I'll help her make it, which is fun because then I get to cook with my mom. I'm actually a great cook. I'm my favorite, my own favorite cook. So that helps. <laughs> but the uh, other thing about me dietarily is I just can't do dairy. It just doesn't work. My body rejects it. I get all kinds of, I become allergic to everything in the world if I'm taking dairy in. And it's, it is what it is. And I've accepted that, which means that by restricting dairy and having made that choice years ago, then it automatically just takes away the decision-making and a temptation of all kinds of things that are normally on offer for all of us. And there's a huge freedom in that actually. It's like really not even a challenge at this point to say no to, you know, the, the cookie jar, so to speak. And I still like to have things that are on the treat level. Sure. But I, I like this conversation about diet because it's nice to have a, to be honest about it and what really works. One thing about me that I didn't mention in terms of integrating some animal products into my life again, or meat anyway, is that there was a, you know, you're talking about mind games, but there was a huge mental hurdle to, and an attachment to maybe not the identity of vegan veganism, but the identity of that. I don't want to do harm to animals or to living beings. And still there's like um, the seed of the belief of hypocrisy in my mind Mm -hmm. about it, because like, I still don't know if I could go kill the chicken myself very easily. Like that might take me out of eating meat again if I had to do that. Or maybe it wouldn't if I got used to it. That's all based on these deep-seated belief structures. And I still don't want to do harm. I want to be connected only to if I eat animal products, animals that at least lived as close to a natural life as possible. Like hunted meat would be the ideal in terms of being in harmony with nature because then the animal is going out in a normal way. But I just wanted to point that out for anybody listening, because that's such a a polarizing topic too. Just like the germ theory versus terrain theory that I alluded to, meat versus no meat, hugely polarizing. And I don't even know if I've come out <laughs> publicly and said like, yeah, I'm eating some uh, ch- chicken again. But the fact is that I'm, I'm doing better on all metrics now that I have that part of my diet changed. Like I still eat tons of vegetables, I eat organic and all that, but including the animal products has been a huge boon to my energy levels and my strength building levels, which is very important to me. And it's impossible to measure how that ripples out to every other part of your life, to brain function, to your thought processes, to your flow state in general, that if you're not able to get stronger physically, what other capacities may be diminished in your life that are less apparent and less easy to measure? So we got to keep up the like, you know, in size of one doing the scientific experiment of always listening to our body, responding, making adjustments and keeping that conversation flowing and not in a rigidity that could lead us to break. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings up a really interesting question about what it means to be alive and what it means to survive 
as a living being on this planet. Can we live without killing another living being? And why we have this idea that plants are not living beings in a way like, you know, we immediately start categorizing like, oh, plants are sub consciousness where plants absolutely have consciousness. Um, and so why is that okay? Why is killing, you know, another being that doesn't want, plants don't want to be eaten. They want, they don't want to be killed either. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a lot of the reasons why people in the carnivore community talk about, uh, plants are not a healthy option because, uh, plants don't want to be eaten. And so they have, um, toxins that they release, they release chemicals that are designed to, and because, you know, because we're big, they call that anti-nutrients. Yeah. Like phytotoxins. And I don't know like the exact words, but yes, there are like, there's chemicals within all plant matter that, um, basically unless you're looking at like a seed, like they say, like berries and things that actually hold the seed of the plant are like the safest plant um, foods to eat because that's the part of the plant that they want you to eat because it, because then what are you going to do? You're going to poop out the seeds and you're going to spread the plant. And so it propagates itself that way. And so like, that's the one part of the plant that it wants you to eat. But in terms of like the, the stems and the leaves, like those all contain these, you know, more harmful, um, chemicals and materials that over time, a lot of people end up having health issues from. And so that's why like, you know, animals have a different protective mechanism where they can like run away or attack to prevent themselves from being eaten. You know, obviously that's not in balance. Like you said, like hunting is, is probably the closest thing that we would get. And I, I was very into thinking about like what it means to, to what it means to hunt and how it used to be and I think it probably still is in a way like it's a sacred act and it's a sacred, um, you know, hunters would go into the woods and they would meditate and they would, you know, ask for the, the soul of the animal who is going to sacrifice itself. Like it was, a like everyone involved, like on a soul level was like in agreement, like, okay, you know, the animal would recognize like the humans need to eat too. And so on an unconscious, like soul level made a contract and is like, I'm going to sacrifice myself, um, to be eaten because I know that, you know, there's a greater cycle going on with all of the living creatures on this earth. And so it's an interesting idea, you know, plants don't have that ability to get up and walk away or, or fight back. Um, and so they have these less kind of obvious, I think, protective mechanisms. Um, and so like, you know, just eating meat is kind of a way to get rid of those. And it's like an elimination diet type of thing. And then you can kind of think about like, okay, well, is there anything that we can eat as humans that doesn't cause harm? Um, you know, if we think about like veganism or, or, or diets that are plant-based, what fertilizes these plants in the fields? Um, and that's cow manure. You know, like there, there's, is there any such thing as purely plant-based? Because in the majority of fertilizers, it's animal product that you're using. And so you need to raise the animal to get their manure in order to fertilize these, these plants. 
And also just what agriculture does to the earth itself is like literally you're raping the earth to impregnate it with what you want to impregnate it with, which is whatever seeds you want, regardless if that's like the right soil. Like think about that in terms of like the earth being a body and instead of like allowing what the body wants to grow where it would like to grow it, you're destroying it and replacing the soil with what you think it should be. And then like forcefully impregnating it with seeds. (laughs) And so it's like, there's no real, like, what's the, what's the best way to kind of um, live in harmony, I guess. And I, I I certainly don't have the answer. I think it's a very complicated issue. I I would say probably the most harmonious thing would be the hunting, like you said. Um, And like what we can forage of just like natural wild plants. And we're very far from that, but a way to recreate the foraging would be permaculture, food forests, like a recent guest we had Jim Gale on entirely different methodology of agriculture, where you're setting up layers of, of life forms that support each other and keep the soil nutrified automatically. So like the only work that exists for you as the human being is to go like take food out of the food forest rather than need to constantly do all this labor and, you know, piling on manure or using potentially chemicals or other processes to keep the the pests out. All of that is just complete out of sync with nature behavior. And it's how most of our food is generated. It's true. And like, I'm still, you know, even though I'm now eating like chickens, I'm still thinking on the fractal sense, there's still a, a legitimate question to me of, well, if, life is a constant reflection of itself and it's this self-similar across scales fractal and the as above so below blueprint applies to everything then if i'm eating animals that were farmed for me to eat does that mean that i'm supporting energetically myself and other human beings being farmed animals for some other life form that's beyond our level of comprehension and then that gets you into a whole like (laughs) you know arconic head trip which I think is a valid question because we do see that life is self-similar across scales. It's a real thing. So uh, these questions are important to keep asking ourselves and to not ever believe that we're the right one or we've got the right answer, but to stay in conversation with our body and attempt to make improvements as we can. And, you know, on that question of anti-nutrients that plants put off and eating nuts and seeds rather than other parts of the plant, I received an email from somebody that contained the entire book series called The Ringing Cedars of Russia, which is, I guess, pretty popular in uh, new agey, you know, uh, nonconformist circles. And it's new to me, but I'd heard of it before. And I started listening to the audiobook of the first book. And whether or not it's fiction or meant to be some kind of nonfiction de- de- depiction of someone's life story, it's interesting because it expands your imagination of what's possible for humanity. And we've heard of breatharians and fruitarians and some of them seem like they're doing really well and other the others seem like they're wasting away. And there's a character in this Ringing Cedars of Russia book that lives in the wilderness of the woods of Siberia even though it's like really cold there, barely needs clothing. We hear stories about Native Americans like the, the legend of Squanto or whatever that the pilgrims met was that he was running around in like a loincloth in winter. And as somebody that 
goes barefoot walking in the snow myself and finds that I'm able to do more and more of that and I'm like getting stronger and stronger. The resistance to the cold is getting better and better. I do think that our capacities in our body are greatly limited by our uh, our structure of belief and how that leads us to behave over the course of time. And that our adaptability to extremes like hot and cold or to different diets could be really limited by the behavior that we've uh, been allowed to partake in and been molded in through the collective mind. And I think we've got the ability to do so much more. And this character that I was bringing up, she she uh, lives in the woods and through some mechanism of psychic resonance with her entire environment and all the life force energy in it, she's able to like, you know, snap her fingers and a squirrel or a group of squirrels will pop up and give her a bunch of like nuts and mushrooms. And when you look at like squirrels, for example, they gather way more for the winter than they need for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder if humanity, our role here was really meant to just be putting all of our attention and energy towards the ideas of survival, because the way that we've been for so many generations, that's been a huge burden and difficulty, but we have this capacity for the higher mind and for great levels of connection with nature and spirit far beyond when, and that a lot of that is requires us to be in a state of comfort and uh, peace with our life and our, our daily habits and routines that we're not constantly in the fear mode and the energy depletion of constantly working to survive. So I think part of why we're seeing this resurgence of uh, more resonant with nature types of behaviors and attitudes, or at least in a desire to that, to find that with things like veganism is because we've reached a level of comfort with our survivability that takes less time and energy than it used to before. Although we still have like jobs that take a lot of our time, but it's not as big of a pressure of like, Am I going to starve to death? Am I going to freeze to death? And I bring all this up because I think our potential as beings is so much greater than what we've believed up to this point that I don't rule it out of the realm of possibility that we could exist in the Siberian woods in winter, wearing light clothing and sleeping outside, and that we could have such a psychic connection to our environment and the other life forms in it that we could possibly just like if we were cold to get a bear to cuddle up to us that night and sleep in their den to stay warm without being killed or get squirrels to bring us their extra stores of food whenever we need a snack. I think all of that is actually possible as Disney and silly as it might sound to some people, the limiting of what's possible is what puts us in the state of lack and fear. And because we are nature, we are the embodiment of spirit and we do have this higher mind capacity to exalt what nature creates and make it just a little bit better that gives us the that that is what makes us the the real representative of the creator or the divine spark on the realm because other life forms don't have that alchemical ability to exalt the creation to make it just a little bit better through our awareness of how those processes work and so i think that we should like to continue this theme of never be satisfied and always be in conversation with body and spirit in the environment, we should never think that we've got the ultimate answer, whether that's, you know, veganism or carnivorism or what have you that, you know, yeah, hunting and foraging is a better probably way of doing it. And we've devolved from that to a degree, but also we've evolved from that because now we don't have as much pressure on us to survive. And maybe that can help us pivot 
to an even greater level of harmony and coherence with our environment so that it becomes easier and easier to deal with the survival aspects of it with less and less work. And we can have more freedom for tapping into spirit and creativity and just being, which I think is what was lost over many of the generations of the darker ages. The being was not an option. You had to work, damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and what is our potentiality um, in exploring those, those things? That's why I like to experiment with, I'm very much drawn to taboo things. You know, if you look at my website, I, I talk to women about the menstrual cycle. I think that that's, um, you know, one of the biggest taboos that we have on this planet as, as, as humans. Um, but two, like just the idea of even just not eating, like, do we even need to eat? You know, I was just, I just finished reading this book about fasting and there was a story of this, this person who fasted for like 382 days. And like, I mean, they, they, I think they were like just taking like a vitamin supplement, but they were fine. Like they were totally fine. Like without eating anything. Um, and that goes into like the breatharian or like the, is that are the breatharians, like the sun people, or is that something else? Like, I think breatharians probably use the sunlight too. Yeah. You know, there's probably some overlap there. Yeah. It's but, really uh, interesting because you can grow plants that way too. Plants can grow just off of like the air and the sunlight without needing the exactly. soil. And, and the power of what we choose to believe in. Um, and I've, I've been, you know, kind of tying this back into all of the, the current events and what we choose to believe will manifest. What we choose to think about is, is like literally making it manifest. And as we speak it, it becomes manifest. So even just us discussing this, this potentiality of like, stepping away from food altogether. Maybe we eat, maybe we eat once a month, maybe we eat once a year. And, you know, that seems like a very simple solution to a lot of the problems on this planet in terms of like population, you know, overpopulation, if that's even a thing, um, you know, I'm highly suspect of that idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even just to have that conversation, um, with those people who are, who are, putting that idea out there that that were overpopulated or even just like just destruction of the earth in general for whether regardless of what food product you want to eat uh, it is destructive in some way uh, because of the amount of people and because of like the amount of farmland and all of those things let me uh, add in one thing there because you know that character bale gates <laughs> the gatekeeper the cowpoke jabber man he has bought up most of the farmland that he's got more farmland owned in the United States now than like any other single person. And I doubt he's going to apply his billions of dollars to creating permaculture and regenerative, regenerative agriculture. But the irony is the people that have the idea like him of overpopulation being such a deadly issue and they want to solve it through, you know, injectable solutions. They uh, could solve that issue dramatically. So with the, with permaculture, you know, if you had, if you had a few billion dollars to put towards permaculture and creating food forests and all the major population centers, the world would change massively. And so would our effect on the environment because most people are doing all these jobs and manufacturing pointless things and creating all this plastic crap that winds up in the ocean as a way to generate the monopoly dollars that they need to buy the food from the destructive agricultural pro processes. So it's like a vicious cycle that could be solved by the very people that complain loudest about it. Yeah. I mean, all of these solutions and all of these different, 
ways of, of looking at things like this is kind of what I've been thinking a lot about is these, you know, that's a story. Like the permaculture thing is just one, it's one perspective. It's one, yes, it does solve problems, but um, you know, there's another side to that as well. And how we know that is that <laughs> that's how everything literally exists on this planet is that there's another side to the story and that there's no perfect solution because there's always going to be like something that you're not considering. Um, and maybe it's just like, <laughs> Maybe it's the, uh, that's what we, makes it a conversation in a flow. Cause like you solve this thing and now this comes up and it's like every answer gives you two new questions, but that's also how trees grow. Branches come out and we expand. Exactly. Um, so I, the past few months, um, I've been in a really positive place in terms of thinking about uh, all of the, the, you know, COVID stuff. And, um, I do a lot of like in-person circles, women's circles, and I, it's been a trick. It was a tricky situation at first because I'm like, how am I going to handle this situation? I had to leave a previous uh, a place where I was employed at a wellness center where I started a women's circle because um, this was like in probably like over the summer when like things, the restrictions were really starting to be lift, lifted. And then, um, there was like a hint of a new wave of something. And then they like, I, I was a massage therapist there and we got rid of the requirement to wear masks. And then they started to be like, okay, well you have to wear a mask again. And, um, I was just like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And I wanted to, to have these women's spaces be like, you know, everyone has, if you would like to wear a mask, like wear a mask, but you know, giving that freedom back to, to the individual. And they basically like, you know, kicked me out. This is a place I worked for four years. And because of that difference and me standing up for what I thought to be true and, and standing in integrity. And I think that's the whole idea of like integrity is like your inner values, your inner belief systems are in alignment with your outer world and what it is that you choose your actions in the world. And I was so frustrated, not not because of them telling me that, but because I knew that they were out of their own integrity is because I knew how they felt internally about the whole everything about all the restrictions and mandates, but they were still choosing to follow it. They're still choosing to follow all of these rules. And I was like, I, I can't do that. I can't have that be that out of alignment. And, but it was a really, really hard time for me to like leave that organization, to leave that family really that I had been a part of for four years. And, um, you know, I, I, it ended up being a total blessing is, um, starting my own thing and starting my own women's circle. Um, and it's had its own challenges, but I was like, okay, how am I going to present this? Because I knew a lot of people like on both sides who were like, well, we want to, we want to have like the safety and be safe and everyone wear masks. And there are other people who are like, no, we don't want to have that. And so I've just like never even had it be a thing and just like never spoke one way or the other about it. And, um, as I've been kind of wrapped up in that world, as I've been living as if, None of that is happening. And part of that has been like choosing to stop watching the news, choosing to, to not look at, at headlines um, and to completely take a break. And it was kind of like 
slowly entering into that space. And I like 100% stepped away. Like, absolutely. I'm not going to look at the news at all for the month of December. And I just felt so, um, I just felt so like free from all of that, free from all of that worry or disapproval or like whatever it is one way or the other. Um, whether I was looking at like, you know, a fun thing that Michael and I like to, like to do is like watch NBC news and like see what the narrative that they're telling, you know, because it's interesting to see like what they're saying. The only way I'd want to watch that is if I was hanging out with you guys, then it would be fun. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's very fun. Um, but I was like, but I'm still, I'm still being influenced, even though I can see what they're doing, even though I can see how they're twisting things around and, and, and all of that. Um, I'm still being influenced by it. And I was like, I just want to step away completely. And so by the end of December, I was just like, I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea about this Omicron thing, like at all. And, um, we, we ended up meeting with some of our friends, um, uh, maybe like a week ago and everyone was there and everyone was talking about like, what do we do? You know, like, how do we, how do we change people's How do we make them see? How do we wake people up? You know, what do we do? What do we do? And I was just sitting there and I'm like, we just do what we're doing now. Like internally, I was like, I felt so aligned with my purpose, which is like creating these community spaces and bringing people together in person for us to like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what side of the equation that you're on. Like what matters is us all being together and being like, we're here and we belong together because we're here. Like that's literally as simple as it needs to be. And feeling really, um, feeling really good about that, feeling really like confident in that I was on the right path and I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing. And I was kind of just like sitting there, like hearing this other side of people who I agree with. I agree with everything that they're saying in terms of like, we don't want, you know, we don't want these mandates. We don't want all of these things. And, uh, but I was just like, all right, we can't, every time we speak of that, which we don't want to see, you know, like I, I've been thinking about this a lot with the whole metaverse thing is like, the more we talk about it, especially we talk about the dangers and like the, the things that can go wrong and all of those things, like the more we're just perpetuating that actually happening. And I was very much like, we have to think about what we, what it is that we want to create. Like they're literally asking people to, to sign up for the metaverse and to create these worlds is because regardless of which side of the equation you're looking at, we are at a very unique point in time in this greater cycle that's unfolding in which we are being asked to dream and create the world in which we want to see. Now, whether that's going to be like in this virtual world in the metaverse or outside of that, which I hope, I hope that we do, you know, and I think they probably will exist simultaneously, but um, I'm just, I'm struggling with like, where does, where does, I think that it's helpful to talk about what it is that we don't want and to point out like the flaws in, in a plan or flaws in, in, um, you know, the metaverse being, being pushed on us as something that we should accept and, and join in. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with that, you know, 
the because the more we call that out, the more we're creating that as like what it is and and creating and helping to to create it. Um so to kind of go back to my story, I was feeling really good about like, okay, my thoughts and my words and my actions are going to be in alignment with the world that I want to see. And so that's like kind of ignoring. And I was thinking a lot about this term, like this term spiritual bypassing kept coming up in my, in my brain. And I was like, what is spiritual bypassing? Is this spiritual bypassing? Am I spiritually bypassing by saying like, I'm not going to think about the things that I don't uh, want to see happen. Um, and I, I still don't, I still don't really know, but this kind of leads me into, um, what, what kind of flipped that whole idea upside down, which was, so I'm in this really good place. I'm like, let's think about what we want to create. Let's, uh, let's be positive. And then, uh, this past week there was a child, I guess, who was either exposed or had COVID, or I don't know, in my daughter's class. And, uh, they send out an email. So this happened on like a Thursday. So they send out an email on Sunday night. So the day before they're supposed to go back to school saying that um, if your child's been vaccinated, they're allowed to come to school. If your child is not vaccinated, they have to stay home until Thursday. So this is one like highly inconvenient and inconsiderate to let parents know with less than 12 hours notice that they now have to find childcare for their for their child for the next three days. And also it's a Waldorf school, which is like been traditionally known as being very like alternative and alternative ways of thinking about like kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like what is illness? What is a virus? Um, and so to, to see the direction that what many have chosen this type of environment as a, as a alternative to public schools and alternative to like mainstream understanding of, of, of health. And to now be told that, uh, my child can't go to school because they're unvaccinated. And it just like completely flipped my whole story and flipped my whole perspective, perspective, perspective and perception of what's going on. And I was just like, have you seen Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah. All of my pets are named after Lord of the Rings characters. I think in last year, I think I listened to the whole series on audiobook twice. I've read all the supplemental Tolkien writings, even the unpublished tales. So that question, like that's my way of saying, hell yeah. I'm yeah. really into the Lord of the Rings. Awesome. For sure. I am too. And I, I read the books like a long time ago, but I, I was I, like this image of like, from the movie, like Theoden being like when, um, you know, Aragorn, they're trying to get them to help, uh, Gondor, you know, and, and, and join in and, and go fight for it was Gondor when the Westfold fell. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And, and Theoden was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to risk war for my people and I will not risk open war. And that's kind of like what I felt like. I was like, I'm not going to risk open war. And then Aragorn's like, open war is upon you. Like whether you would risk it or not. And I was like, damn, that's what's going on right now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Um, in terms of, 
I was in this really good place of thinking about everything that's going on. And now I'm like, I'm being forced to face it. I'm being forced to face um, whatever it is that's being thrust upon. And that's shadow work. Yeah. Got to be done. What you're saying, you know, both sides make sense that you don't want to just reinforce the negative by keeping your attention on it. But it's all about that balance and that temperance that uh, actually it's funny that you're talking about acting as if it wasn't going on. I just before we got on the phone, I was with a client doing a card reading session and they drew this or I drew this card for them. It's not going to look right because of my green screen, but it's chameleon. So yeah. there's some green that's like, you know, fading out, but chameleon spirit and, you know, chameleons adapt to their environment and the message is to act as if. And it's really useful that you want to act as if you already have what it is you want because the potential for all things manifest or unmanifest is within you at all times. Like we are within the source and supply of all life force energy and all etheric potentiality. We're within that potential and it's within us. I like to look at it like you are with you're part of the tree of life, but the trunk of the tree of life, which is the main supply of all potential energy is this is your trunk. It's within you too. It's like um, your solar plexus is your treasure chest and your chest is a trunk. A chest is a trunk. Like it's a container. <laughs> so the trunk of the tree of life is the chest of your column and your center. And so acting as if is a really important methodology because it's part of keeping your behavior in alignment with the outcome that would be best and most harmonious and that you want to create. However, in a balance and a temperance set, you have to look at what is as well. And part of acting as if will be responding to what's there. And that has to do with connecting back to the conversation about being in commune communication with your body. For example, if you're not paying attention to how a diet is making your body feel and you just stick with the rigid behavior, thinking it's always going to work the same way forever, then you're going to miss the the real power of transformation that comes with adaptability and changing of behavior. And the same is true for what we're facing right now, that we should definitely speak. We, you know, we got to point out what we don't want because our non-consent is very important spiritually to create a different outcome and to help others see that are not paying attention. But also if we don't temperance or balance that with the uh, opportunity of solutions, then nothing will work out for us. If, you know, if you're just like the conspiracy theorist, that's everything's doom and you're constantly doom scrolling and sharing all the reasons why we're blackpilled or we're screwed, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to help anybody. I think the greatest way to be of assistance to the rest of the world and to help other people see what they need to see to quote unquote, wake up from the matrix or the metaverse or whatever. I always say this is the best way is to live your highest potential, be the healthiest life that you can be do, you know, kick as much ass as you can in your own life. Like literally the better your life is and on all metrics, the more interested other people are going to be in like, well, what do you think about this? Because they can see there's results. But if your life is all about what's wrong and pointing it out, well, then no one's going to want to talk to you because you're a downer. <laughs> so you need the balance. Like we definitely should call out what's wrong, but we should live our best life so that people are interested in our opinion 
and can see that whatever it is that we think is clearly working for us because we're healthier and we're stronger and we're happier and we're doing more of what we want and less of what we don't want. But we're in the, um, the home stretch of the first hour. And I regret that we haven't talked nearly enough about what it is that you offer as services and for, for people. So we don't have to condense that into five minutes by any means. Uh, and we can even expand on that more in the second hour. But I want to make sure before we move forward any further that you give people an idea of how they can work with you and what you have to offer at JennyRivers.com. Now that you are doing your own thing and you've separated from the the hypocrisy of the, <laughs> where you were before, you know, not that you don't love them, but it's good for you to be independent. I think 2020 forced a lot of us to go that way, myself included. I'm now like a full-time freelancer and I love it. So, you know, that's a part of what I'm talking about, living your best life, being the greatest example to others that would lead them to want to know what you think about things on all levels. So yeah, what do you, what do you got going on over there to, what can we talk about in the last couple of minutes? Yeah, well, um, I would say I, um, I really like doing body work and energy work. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been doing so much less of it since I left that organization. And like, uh, it's really hard. It's really hard to find clients when you're like the people that are still coming to see me are coming, are driving like half an hour from, from where I am because that's where I was working before. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's challenging because I miss it so much. I miss that like in person, I get so much out of my sessions. Um, and I, and I think my clients do too. And, um, it's, it's something that I think has also changed a lot through, through the last couple of years as well is, um, as I grow, you know, as an individual that really changes the work that I'm able to, to give and how I'm able to show up for, for my clients. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that if you would ever like to come and get a massage or get craniosacral or any type of energy work, um, that's what I do. And, uh, if you're on the East coast, if you're ever passing through Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, you can always book a session with me. And, um, but for anyone else who's not, and especially for women, I don't really do anything with men at, at the moment, but, uh, I offer, um, group and individual one-on-one -on -one mentoring for women to help them understand their cyclical nature as, as a human being. And, uh, we go really into the, these four phases that we experience uh, every month that we are in our menstruating years. And so it, it's multifaceted. You know, we go into the physical components of like literally what your body is going through and understanding like what your fertility is and when we're fertile um, and kind of dispelling a lot of the myths and lies that we're being told by the medical uh, system about our bodies and about our cycle. And, um, you know, really empowering women to listen to their bodies, to listen to the messages that their body's giving them. And I, and women especially are, um, blessed to have our menstrual cycles as like this fifth vital sign. It's, it's referred to in a lot of the circles that I'm involved in is because it really does show you where you're at and it shows you where you're at in a very physical way. You know, if you're not menstruating, but you should be. Um, and so, um, 
Yeah. So if you're, if you're not on hormonal birth control or anything like that and you're, and you're not menstruating, that's kind of like the first, one of the first signs that your body is not well is, um, a woman will stop, stop her period. Um, and so we kind of go into that in a very physical way and offer support for that, but there's also a highly, um, spiritual component that when we, when we bring our awareness to our cycle, um, it brings up so many things about ourselves from a very deep level. And so there's kind of like four main archetypes that we also go through every month. And, you know, this is the maiden, the mother, the wild woman, and the crone. And all of those archetypes kind of hold these themes within them. And based off of how we experience each one of those, so like we're in each one of those archetypes, each one of those phases for about a week. And that's just like putting it into a nice, neat box. But uh, being able to notice how easy or how difficult that time is for you or or what signals your body or your emotions or your mental state are giving you can tie back into this very, very deep spiritual archetypical level of like addressing issues of, of, you know, uh, you know, for the wild woman or something like that would be the time before you start to bleed. So when you're in like this premenstrual phase, which definitely has this really strong, um, stigma around it that like women are crazy and they're hormonal and uh oh they're just like they're at that time of the month like that type of thing and so it ties into this like greater understanding that you know the wild woman represents this like our inherent right and need to rage to rage against the machine to 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 speak out against those things that we are no longer standing for and when we suppress that, when we when we play the part of the good girl, when we play the part of of Eve or, or you know all these other archetypes and and themes and, and mythologies that I like to tie in as well as a way to, for us to understand, um, you know that's more tapping into like this Kali type of energy that we need we need to allow that to release. Otherwise, it's going to show up in these really difficult. Um, uncomfortable symptoms like headaches or cramping or irritability. Um, and so that, that's just one example of, of kind of this work that I do with women, which I think is a really, really important thing <laughs> for women to understand. And, um, at the same time, the more we understand, and I, and I hope that we can get into this in the second hour is, the more we recognize our cyclical nature, the more we can kind of transcend it. And so I feel like a lot of people are drawn into understanding their cycles because they're going through life expecting that they should be stable or expecting things to be more predictable. And um, what they, what they often recognize is like, I'm just seeing these, you know, I'm seeing these patterns emerge and I'm seeing um, these things. I just feel so out of control. And so when we when we start to introduce this understanding of what a cycle is and how we all go through cycles, whether you're a man or, or a woman um, or anything in between, um, we can. Once we we go really, really deep into that and start to honor and respect those changes, 
that's where we can move past that and actually get what it is that we want, which is like that stability, which is kind of like the unchanging part of us, which is consciousness, you know, itself. And the part of us that is, that is still, that is calm, that is always okay, regardless of the ups and downs of, of the ebbs and flows of, of what life is. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the, the womb craft work as it's listed on my website. If you'd like more information, you can, you can check that out on there. Um, I also, I'm doing, I don't, I'm not sure when this will air, but I am doing a group mentorship circle that will be going through all of that in a group setting, which I'm really looking forward to doing. And that is going to be starting at the next new moon. So that's around, I think it's February 3rd is the first, um, the this first will definitely of- be out by then. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so if you're interested, um, I offer a sliding skill pricing. Like I want this to be affordable. If that's still too much for you, definitely reach out and we'll make something work, whether that's a payment plan or bartering or trading, or I'm up for whatever, but I, I want women to experience this. And I think that we, we need to be together in a circle, whether that's in person, which I prefer, or, uh, virtually for those who cannot travel, you know, at this time to be, uh, in attendance for one of my in-person uh, circles as well. So that's, that's pretty much what I offer in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, the, a quick summary and we can talk about more of that stuff in hour two. I really enjoyed the natural flow of this chat. It was a lot like up to this point reminds me of when I talked to Michael, because like I might have like, well, I remember one time he sent me an entire outline with like slides of what we were going to talk about. And then we just, we didn't even touch it. We just went all over to other spots and I like that. That's natural, but there is more to say about what you are talking about. The body work it is shadow work. That's a huge topic. We could discuss the cycles and patterns and predictability and the, the truth about negative, about so-called negativity, all that stuff would be really interesting for hour two. Um, really? Yeah. I really enjoyed this chat. I was going to ask before we wrap up, are you available anywhere to connect with on socials? Um, particularly would think it would be awesome if you could jump into our telegram group on interverse. We have an awesome telegram channel with many, many wise women, part of that group that would probably really like to connect with you and, and chat a little bit if you wanted to be available there. So I don't know if you're using telegram or if you've got your own channel or other social media that you like people to connect you with. I think maybe I follow you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What about all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I don't really use Instagram or Facebook that much unless I'm like promoting something that I'm doing, like, you know, this womb craft. Same here. It's otherwise worthless. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's, you know, I I know that it's a complicated thing for all of us, our relationship. I mean, I would hope it's a complicated thing for all of us that uh, our participation with platforms like that. Um, I am on Telegram, so I'd love to join that, that, that thing. I'm not super like participatory unless it like, unless something like really strikes me, but, um, yeah. And anyone can reach out to me on Telegram or uh, my Instagram is um, Jenny Riversong and my business Instagram is Riversong Wellness. And yeah, Facebook is like, I, I don't know. I feel like I pretty much just accept whoever on Facebook now, um, but I don't really that's I. I feel like I mostly post more stuff related to like, if I do post something more personal, I guess it would probably be on Facebook. Cause I feel like that's where my family sees it. Like family that's not around here. So, but yeah, anyway. Cool. Well, we'll see you on the second hour and thanks for 
being here. This has been really interesting so far, like lots of cool directions and tangents. Very excited to see what we get into next. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, thank you. Hey, did you guys have as much fun with that one as I did? I probably ask that at the end of every show, but I always have fun. So it is, it is the most fun thing I do (laughs) getting to have interview time like this. So free hour and second hour were quite a bit different, but also they did synergize and flow together and weave really nicely into um, this great paradoxical (laughs) fusion so we'll talk about that. But first, I got to make sure and remind everyone JennyRivers.com is where you can see more of what she does. And if you're up in that area near Lancaster, seems like a cool person to get to meet. And, you know, I would also want to hang out with Michael. Her and Michael Juan would be a fun couple to do a double date with. I'd go on a tour of the, the region, learn about the Susquehanna mysteries <laughs> in person and get to explore the nature. That'd be so fun. The first hour, though, to address that, we talked about this whole dietary conversation. And also, so there are like two really polarizing things in there. And I'm not like sweating bullets about it, but I know as a host, we get like held to this standard sometimes of like, oh, you're not the same belief as me about diets or, oh, you're not the same belief as me about viruses or how terrain theory or all that. And then all of a sudden you're like going to cut off that host from <laughs> you're not going to like check out anything they do because this one thing is off for you. And the fact is I'm not saying what's right or wrong about either of those things. I'm on a learning journey about diet and about wellness and health. I feel like those are the most confusing subjects out there for the internet because there's really no one size fits all answer in terms of what will actually work to bring someone to the highest level of vitality and wellness. Now on the diet question, you know, we did discuss carnivore diet and the veganism question and everything in between. It felt like even got a little bit into the breatharianism, breatharianism and fasting stuff. The limits of human potential, in my opinion, are very much uh, bounded by our mind and what we believe, of course. But, uh, you know, I did come clean if that you can call it that about my dietary changes of late and going away from being fully plant-based and into a little bit more animal products, like basically chicken and eggs are the animal products for me. I can't do dairy still. I don't think I ever will. I'm not really attracted to doing it and it fucks me up super bad, but I want to just say like why I'm getting into this is that whatever the moral reason you have for a certain diet, one or the other, in particular, like wanting to harm, you know, do harm reduction and not eat animal products. I totally get it. I'm actually a hundred percent in support of that idea. What I'm most in support of is healthy, vibrant human beings because human beings are, yes, they're the source of problems in the world, largely that nature would never have created without human beings, but we're also the source of answers and solutions and creative, clever ways to make this world like an exalted and more beautiful, harmonious place. So if that means that like tigers and lions meat would help us or is good for us, then I'm going to go with that. I think it's hard for me because like, I do have the moral conundrum about it. I don't go overboard with meat. I don't get it from sources where 
it's questionable what it, the life was like for the beings that I'm, you know, benefiting from. And this is all like a big, long disclaimer, justification of why I eat the way I eat, but I want to talk about it. So I'm going to, I think the most crucial thing for me that was missing when I was previously eating animal products, and then I went vegan. And then now the thing that was missing in both of those previous incarnations of my dietary choices was the gratitude. And now I feel like I really appreciate where the food comes from. I really like I give thanks and I honor every aspect of the whole chain of supply because we live in strange times. I mean, the like, for example, the chickens raised by a rancher or several people that work on the ranch, and then it's taken to uh, be slaughtered or it's done there. And then it's taken to the grocery store. And so you've got this whole ridiculously complex convoluted chain of how, who knows how many people involved with actually getting that food onto your plate. So it's not just about thanking the living being whose life force energy is being offered to you, but also every aspect of life force energy that's involved with the process. So as much as we can just respect and honor that nature and even our artificial world, which is still technically embedded and emerging out of nature, you can't leave nature. As much as we can respect that this is a complex and delicate ecosystem of life, feeding life and life nourishing and nurturing life and uh, the life and death paradoxical rhythm that goes on, you know, if we can respect that and honor that, it'll go a long way. And it may sound like, oh, it's just a cop out if you really, really believe that it's absolutely wrong to eat animal products. And it's okay if you believe that. I just hope that you can cut me the same slack as like you would cut your dad and mom, <laughs> you know, like, would you reject them out of your life because they don't eat the same way as you? No, you still love them and you still care about them and you probably just let them be who they are. So, you know, my diet choices will change throughout my life more. My point in this whole ramble is just like, I respect what you're doing. So <laughs> please don't hate me that I said, like that I said that I eat some chicken sometimes. I don't, I don't want suffering to exist in the realm or slavery or any of that. So for animals or for human beings, it's a tough question. The biggest, most important thing though, is like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to reject the gift of my body and the possibility of health and vitality. If, uh, you know, just over a conundrum, a moral conundrum that is sort of a gray area in a lot of ways. Now, it's not a gray area in terms of factory farming and the way that like mainstream big ag ranching goes. That's obviously like pretty horrific and fucked up. And I won't touch that. But, you know, you know, local farmers, local ranchers that do the free range style, maybe it's not perfect, but it's way better. And so what is perfect? That's the real thing. I hope nobody feels like they're threatened with their dietary perspective was threatened by this conversation. Wasn't the goal. The goal is maybe more to just look at like, what, what is perfect? There is no perfect answer. And so it's important to be in conversation with our body as much as we're in conversation with nature and responding to what we actually feel and perceive in real time because our bodies are nature and we're at the center of this amazing fractal mandala and the healthier, more vibrant we can be, then maybe the, that'll influence the entire rest of the dimension in a positive way. But also, who knows? <laughs> so forgive me if I'm like way off base from the way you see things. I still love you, right? Okay, so enough of that. 
If you want to support the podcast and get into the second hour where we had a really good time with Jenny Rivers, who is awesome, JennyRivers.com, then you can do so. You know the drill, probably. Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N, slash Interverse. Check the show notes for the description and links for all the links to these plus extension possibilities, your options. Patreon being another one. So just to give you the rundown, Rockfin, $10 a month, you get access to everybody on Rockfin, including people like uh, Lindsay Sharman, her her Rockfin exclusive stuff. Although I think she does everything for free anyway. I don't know. Every, there's different levels of exclusive and premium and and free over on Rockfin for different people. Ben Balderson's over there. I think he does everything free. Elsie King is over there. You've got our friends False Reality Check podcast. Buffalo Rambler and Legs, they've got a new, I'm pretty sure it's Rockfin exclusive and it's a premium show where they have two of them. Uh, Legs does one called Vacation Forever and Buffalo does one called Awaken Slaves. And they're great. Those are great shows. So just a few of the offerings on Rockfin, $10 a month gets you all the premium stuff over there. And just by watching on there, instead of on YouTube, you're also offering the creators that you watch some financial reciprocation for the views that most of us in this field, we're not getting shit from YouTube. I'm specifically banned from monetization for all the thought crime, you know? <laughs> so Patreon's $5 a month, as opposed to the 10 uh, upside of Patreon is that you can get an RSS feed for my show that you can plug into any of your RSS feed players. If you want to do the audio only instead of the video, I do like it if you do the video because I put a lot into the graphics and the aesthetics of the video to make it all pretty and nice, but I get it. Sometimes you want to do a show audio only, and it's a lot easier to do that on Patreon. Although there is a stack, which is like a playlist on the Rockfin uh, page for Interverse that has the MP3 audio only versions of the shows, which will probably play smoother and easier than trying to download videos like on your cell connection. So you have options, but Patreon, $5 a month. You only get my stuff. You don't get everything on the network like Rockfin does, but you also get the full archive of everything I ever did for Patreon, which is pretty sweet. That goes back to like 2017 or something, like really far back. Whereas Rockfin has got 2020, um, not even all 2020, most of it, and everything from 2021. And going forward, it'll have everything, but it's just, there's too much going on. I If you want something on the Rockfin that's a plus show, from back in the day and you message me, I'll upload it. But other than that, I, to be honest, I don't have any plans to like go and fill out the, um, the old show archive on Rockfin currently because the content management system, it's not bad, but it's just not great enough and efficient enough for me to want to go do that. So all that aside, please support me <laughs> in one way or the other. I would appreciate it. It's nice to get some reciprocity for what I do. And Let's see the second hour of this conversation. If you want to tune into it, we talked about tracking female cycles to the moon. Uh, that wasn't exclusively a female conversation though. It was also just like a cool inspiration about getting into the rhythms of nature as your timekeeping devices, rather than the artificial ways of doing it. And we talked with Jenny about deconstructing stories and narratives that are tied to the heavenly archetypes of astrology and otherwise kind of a continuation of the topic that we got into with her and Michael Wan on Vibrant uh, last year, late last year. I don't remember what episode number it was, but 
It's one of them. <laughs> Go look up the Vibrant playlist and you'll see it. We discuss the mythology and the natural expression, like as in, in nature, what in bulk means as a pagan holiday or day of recognition. We discussed what it's like to, you know, live with Michael Wan, the synchronicity generator. I had to ask about that because I love Juan. He's a buddy and a genius. Then we got into talking about the creative fusion of body movement, wisdom traditions, the flow state of expressing the stories of our lives, how to move in different ways and think in different ways, and the end of linear lineages, recognizing we are already enough to create the world that we want. So, that, so that's an important one. We already have everything we need to create a better world. Researching's fun, learning's fun, and we'll always keep doing more of it. But like, as this group of people that are interested in truth and harmony and getting back into a restored, recovered connection with nature, we've already got everything we need. So I'd love to talk to Jenny Rivers again sometime. Uh, there's so many more things you could discuss with the, the mysteries of the female like the placenta and the birth process, like getting into the occult side of that. Maybe she'd have some interesting things to say. I don't know, but uh, that was a great conversation overall. So thanks for tuning in and being a part of Interverse. I love doing what I'm doing. If you'd like to work with me on the uh, personal level, one-on-one, -on -one, do some Oracle card reads. I can draw cards and do a spread for you and give you some counseling through the cards, or you want to do sound healing sessions you know how to hit me up, chance at interversepodcast.com or go to my website and look for more information on both of those offerings through the shop tab. There is the Clive DeCarl store that you can look at my affiliate link and, and uh, support me by buying great supplements, which this time of year, I mean, all times of year, but get on the vitamin C, get on the vitamin D, get on the magnesium, the fulvic minerals, all of the above. There's so many really, really high quality supplements at Clive DeCarl's website. And if you buy them from him through my link, I get a kickback and you don't pay anything extra. And it's pretty sweet because his stuff lasts like months and months. It's not store-bought like one month supply for 30 bucks magnesium. It's high quality, multiple forms of magnesium in one, in one capsule. And it'll last you a long ass time for the price. It's really worth it. And then I've got the secret energy store linked there that you can get some metaphysical tools through them. And also I get a kickback with that. And of course the Brown's gas machine, the aqua cure from George Wiseman last episode going forward, that's going to be an option. You can use the interverse code perpetually to get a 15% discount on an aqua cure machine and start inhaling the magical hydrogen Brown's gas, which I'm really excited to hopefully when his back order is done in a few months, I'll be able to get one of those too, or get my parents to get one and let me use it. I really want my parents using it because they need it more than me. I'm doing pretty well on health. Not that they couldn't do better. Could always do better. So there's all that. I'd love to do some sound healing work with you guys. Please hit me up for that. It's really powerful. It's really fun. And I'm going to play us out with a track called Waterfall by Ayla Nerio. Ayla Nerio, pretty great singer. This is a remix by, I think, a DJ or group called Equin. Equ <laughs> this is hard. Equanimous, Equanimous, Equanimous. <laughs> Why can't I say this word? You guys, I hope you're laughing at me. Okay, so it's Equanimous. 
E-Q-U-A-N-I-M-O-U-S. Did I say that right? Equanimous. It sounds so funny when you just say the same word over and over again and you just listen to it, sound it out. You're like, this means that? But it's a remix by them. Waterfall, Ayla Nario, having trouble pronouncing, but having fun doing it. <laughs> Going to play you guys out with that track. And if you're watching the video version of the show, there will be a cool visualizer that goes with it that I put together. And hey, don't forget Vibrant on Wednesday night. Last Wednesday with Kaylee Burkana, we went into the 2022 Transits Pretty Deep. She did a PowerPoint presentation for us. It was really fun. So don't forget to be following the video channels on YouTube and Rockfin to get the updates. And Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Central, the same night, same night, same time every week, we do Vibrant live. And I want to see more of you there in the chat because it's a lot of fun to get into that group energy. And uh, we look at all kinds of interesting subjects on there and it's pretty free flowing. So we'd love to see more of you there. In the meantime, enjoy this track by Ayla. I'll catch you guys on the flip. Much love. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk soon.